This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by my co-host, Alex. What is up? And our special guests for the day, we've got Mikey and Dave from the County Road Bobblers to discuss Everton's 1-1 draw with West Ham at the London Stadium. Hey, lads. It's an absolute pleasure to be on. Yeah, absolute pleasure. No worries. Uh, Before we get into the match, let's just chat a little bit about the County Road Bobblers and what it is that you guys do. I think you know, your your Twitter bio says that you were responsible for delivering the uh, anti-racism banner with Moise Keane's face imprinted upon it. A beautiful uh, gesture for the young player who unfortunately didn't play all that well today. But give us a little bit of background. We'll start with you, Mikey. Uh, how the group came to be and, and sort of the a little bit of history uh, behind the County Road Bobblers. So it's actually um, it's actually quite a funny story. So um, 10 or 11 years ago now, 2009. Um, I was on holiday. Cavos, if you don't know, is a bit of a sort of like a party central for where the Brits go as sort of like in their <laughs> mid twenties. And uh, I was there with my mates, and I was, uh, shall we say, uh, slightly over the legal limit. And uh, I was walking down the road, and I was singing "If You Know Your History," and I see a big group of scousers bowl out of this bar and all give me a hug and start singing it with me. And uh, David and a few of the other County Road Bobblers were a part of that group. And that was um, July 2009. And we've just been best mates ever since. What a story. So, <laughs> Mikey, do you, think if, do you think if in a month when we finally make our trip to Liverpool that we might get the same reception if we just sing down the street? Um, well, it depends where you are. <laughs> if, you, if you do it down <laughs> County Road, you'll be sound, lad. But I tell you what, um, if you are in Liverpool, make sure you get down to County Road and uh, all of the bobblers will definitely buy you a drink, won't we, Witch? Oh, definitely goes without saying. Part of the cause. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, lads. You are more than welcome to share your pre-match match experience and post-match experience with the County Road bobblers. We'll be honoured to have you. We appreciate that. That will, Great offer on the table. It'll be hard to turn that one down. <laughs> and we're, I know both Alex and I just I mean, cannot wait to get over there, but... Uh, let's get to the business of the day, which was, of course, the Moiseyside Derby, as I dubbed it in our last episode. <laughs> we had Carlo Ancelotti's side returning or going to the London Stadium for the away fixture versus West Ham. And let's see, the lineup came out, and I think everyone was uh, tentatively a little bit optimistic. We saw Moise Keane finally getting uh, mm-hmm. a long, probably overdue start. Unfortunately, it didn't quite pan out the way many had hoped, but then, of course, Fabian Delph restored to midfield. We saw Seamus Coleman back at right back. And Yeri Mina restored to the side after apparently Michael Keane woke up with a neck issue. And so he was, I think, planned to start, but last minute replacement for Yeri Mina. So we'll start with we'll start with Dave. Dave, what did you make of Carlo Ancelotti's lineup selection? I thought that, you know, I thought it was a decent lineup, like like you've just uh, kind of alluded to. Um obviously Finn on the ground today. Um expected there to be a few changes. Um, the bit, I mean, the biggest issue for me is I don't think we've got anyone in the centre of the field who can put the you know the foot on the ball at the moment and control mm. the tempo of a game. Um, so as soon as I seen that, you know, it highlighted to me obviously Sigurdsson wasn't wasn't in that side there as well. Um, 
I, I don't like him deeper, but you know, as soon as I noticed he was he was missing, I thought we're gonna we're gonna be quite rushed on the ball in that centre of the field, you know, centre of the field. So it, you know, it, it was a good lineup, but we are missing Andre Gomez quite considerably. Yeah, I thought that the center, the center midfield is is obviously a concern. I think considering how how thin we are at the moment, and then picking up the additional injury of Gilfie Sigurdsson, as as maligned as he has been, I still think you know he does an alright job of keeping possession. And, and I talked to him midweek. We actually predicted that both Fabian Delph and Tom Davies deserve to start, but it just seemed like it wasn't really clicking between the two. I thought they they were kind of confused as far as positionally where they were meant to be. At times, Tom Davis was the one dropping back in between the center halves to try to receive the ball and bring it forward. But I'd say the first 10 minutes of the match were just unbelievably frustrating. You know, we know Carlo Ancelotti wants to play attractive football, but what we saw was us sort of timidly passing the ball around the back, just pinging it between Mason Holgate and Yerry Mina and completely unable to find any kind of outlet into the midfield. Alex, how did you feel about the first you know, 10, 15 minutes where we really kind of struggled to, you know, had the bulk of the possession, but struggled to even get it across midfield? I mean, you really kind of hit the nail on the head. There's not a whole lot more to say about it. We looked disjointed. We definitely didn't look, didn't look like we were bringing a whole lot of energy to the pitch. Um, I think part of that is just lack of confidence, which we've seen away from home over and over and over again. So it was frustrating. Um, I liked that well, you you saw West Ham's two forwards, Lanzini and uh, Holler, dropping back and kind of marking Davies and Fabian Delph. And so that created a lot of problems for us, which resulted in then the two center backs kind of knocking the ball back and forth. Um, we saw them then trying to play it out wide to the fullbacks. And, and honestly, West Ham defended the wide spaces pretty well also. So it just created kind of problems. And, and you could tell we couldn't quite figure out how to play around that that press and that marking yet at that point. Yeah, Michael, what did you make of of sort of the initial performance from the center backs? I thought, you know, early on in the first half, it was very timid, but then I thought Mason Holgate sort of grew into the game and finally sort of just said enough of this and started to try to drive the ball forward. What did you think? I think um, Mina and Holgate are our two best center. Holgate seems to be, for me, um, thinking he's still in central midfield and playing those mm. sort of uh, Hollywood passes and those. He's playing the Franz Beckenbauer role, isn't he? He's almost <laughs> slightly in front of um, yeah. where there's not as you'd like. But I think Holgate, for me, he's been a revelation, uh, especially the last sort of two months. Uh, and I think Yerry Mina. So, to be fair, I mean, the goal was relatively sloppy to concede, but I don't think you can really say that they put too much. No, overall, I mean, didn't concede too, too many chances, but I think Jordan Pickford really, in the first half in particular, saved us what could have been probably 3-1 going into half and mm-hmm. cue up the uh, the old Everton curse. Watching on my TV, the announcer on NBC Sports said, West Ham have yet to score from a header this season as they're setting up for a set piece. I watched, and of the, course, exact, I watched the exact same. <laughs> and I said to my friend, I was watching 1-0 oh. West Ham. And yeah. <laughs> Nailed on. Yeah. Well, it's just, uh, it's one of them, isn't it? And it's another goal from a set piece, which seems to just be a pervasive issue that persists through no matter who the manager is, we just somehow find a way to concede from set pieces. But I mean, it, it was a fairly well-taken goal. You could say the defend the defending was poor, but I thought that for basically the entire game until maybe the last 30 minutes or so that Hilaire absolutely bullied Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate in the air. I thought yeah. he was incredible um, winning a lot of balls. They were using him very effectively for hold up play, which is something 
I, I didn't really see us doing utilizing Calvert Lewin, which is usually he's usually serves as our outlet trying to get the ball forward and, and get some possession in the opposition half. And we were just sort of trying to play either long balls over the top or I don't even really know what our attacking strategy today was because for a lot of it, I just saw a very congested midfield where our center halves were pushing up almost on top of our midfielders, creating this just glob of players in the center of the park. And we were, we just, we were playing like four, three yard passes back and forth, not really forcing West Ham to do a whole lot of movement off the ball. And so I think that they were uh, pretty comfortable defending for most of the matches. That's sort of how I felt. Alex, uh, we'll throw it to you. What did you make of you know the, the overall first half and the the goal? And then, of course, Calvert-Lewin's very quick response. I thought it was a okay first half. It was not great. Like I said, um, our struggles from the first 15 minutes dealing with kind of their press and, and marking inside, specifically, as you said very well, the congestion in central midfield. I feel feel like we were still trying to figure out how to work around it, honestly, for most of the match, but through the first half. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, great response, great flick-on from Holgate. And by the way, we've seen Holgate with a number of flick-ons on the near post um, on set pieces, so that's uh, that's an obvious strategy. Um, Still waiting for Yuri Mina to score off a set piece as a side note for this season because the man's a monster. Me too. Um, (laughs) Right, but you, you have to think he's got five goals a season in him at some point, but Either way, I thought it was it was kind of chippy, but, you know, tit for tat, 1-1. I thought we had, well, I know we had all the momentum going in at halftime, and so I thought that could have been the way the, the tide was turning. But it was super interesting then, at that point, we come out and we see that Bernard was being substituted for none other than Anthony Gordon, the 18-year-old left midfielder slash attacking midfielder. So that was pretty exciting, although I wouldn't have expected Bernard to come out honestly. I think um, for me, Alex, was, um, it was a strange one to Bernard off because um, uh, last week at the, uh, or during the Brighton, Bernard was our best player and uh, mm. he, ran, he ran himself into the ground for 70 minutes. I think Ancelotti was right to bring him off last week uh, because he needed him fresh for this week, but he was, I think about it, looking back on his performance, relatively ineffective today. thought it was exciting, Anthony Gordon. Um, what I'd like to see from him a little bit more when he got the ball in a couple I know, sort of in the last 10 minutes, he took it round the defender on the edge of the 18-yard box, and he could have had a shot, tried to pass it to uh, Calvert-Lewin. Or, and I think, um, I think he, needs to grow, he needs to grow in confidence. Yeah, just, just going off what Mikey said there, you know, I, I thought uh, Gordon kind of grew in today, you know, the game as it went on. It was surprised me, to be honest with you, that he took Bernard off. Um, I thought Walcott would have been the first hold off, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, would have been tempted almost to switch Bernard's side and play him on the right just to just kind of take uh, Walcott off the pitch. But, uh, you know, Anthony Gordon kind of showed his, you know, his in-game intelligence. He was getting into a bit of a space in behind their midfield in between the defence and it was just that extra bit he needed, a bit of confidence, I think. Like you say about that time where, you know, it was possible for him to get a shot off there. You know, as he you know grows as a player and as he gets more confidence at the standard, I think you you know you're likely to see him try and take a shot on. You know, you've seen some very good goals from him in the under twenty threes from that exact position. Um, so you know, he, um, sometimes sometimes you know these players, uh, you know, you can't teach the ability to get into them early. You know, early to the pitch, they're 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 they a bit of intelligence you can't teach, but the confidence will come. You know, he's shown, shown a few signs for me. He sent um he sent. Mark Noble for a hot dog as well, didn't he? Turned him, um, <laughs> yeah. sort of on the D uh, in in West Ham's half, and uh, I think he just made the wrong decision, didn't he, when he got the ball in that position, which is a 
something that will come with with time and experience but for me personally i think it's great i said actually in my match preview podcast that i'd like to see gordon play some minutes so it's not done him any harm has it lads really to to play today no and i think you know at one stage there i said to the lads earlier on before the show we had a you know, you look out to four of the six, we had across midfield and forwards. We had an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old and a 22-year-old. So it tells me two things. It tells me that we've got some young, confident players, but we're also a bit fit on the ground as well. But, you know, the more minutes these lads get, the more comfortable they'll get. And I think they'll grow as a squad, you know, as a team and as players individually. Yeah, I'll put this, James, Alex and David, I'll put this to you now. If uh, Gomez and Gabamin play that game, do we win? You have to think that the answer to that is yes. Uh, yeah. I think the the partnership of, of Davis and Delph was ineffective at best today. And I think there's something to be said for the adjustment from the 4-2-3-1 that we've employed now for five plus years to a 4-4-2 where you don't quite have the numbers in midfield. There's definitely, an, I think, an adjustment for our midfield players to make. And also perhaps just an con- entirely different type of personnel where the squad's been built on having Two two deep lying midfielders and an attacking midfielder, and now when you you've got now two only two midfielders, two bodies, one less body, and then sort of expect different responsibilities expected from those players. There's an adjustment period, and I thought overall today I was a little frustrated with the shape of the team. I thought that we just sort of positionally weren't quite in the right areas to exploit the the spaces that West Ham were leaving with their press. And I also yeah I think I think Abamin and Gomez. I think they're both just straight up quality wise upgrades. And I think that they maybe lend themselves better to the four four two formation than maybe Tom Davis and Fabian Delph. One thing that I and I thought was interesting was I agree it was mentioned earlier that Bernard was was chosen to be yanked off rather than Theo Walcott, who I thought it's it's a bit baffling that he continues to play week in, week out where he had an, a created a couple good chances today, but again, that final ball just remains poor consistently and he just he had he had Calvert-Lewin for a tap in on the near post and just ripped it at like his stomach area so that was a bit frustrating to see as well the only thing I can say about that Alex is I think maybe if you look at the two you've got Bernard and Walcott and Ancelotti probably looks at Walcott as in he's got a lot of Premier League experience so Mm. we're away from home we're drawing one all and it's probably left Walcott on the pitch to maybe even just see the game out slightly or, or make sure that we don't make any silly mistakes within the sort of like first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the second half. I think um, for me, I, I think it was a good or the right decision. Um, like you say, Walcott did make some, um, some sort of pretty poor final balls, but we've come to expect that with Theo Walcott. But I mm. can't honestly say, I think Bernard is, is very similar. I think... Um, he, he gets himself into some fantastic positions. His first touch is great, he, but he beats the same man four or five times where he could cross the ball. So I think, I think it's a shame, though, with Bernard, because yeah, every time he's had a bit of momentum, you know, he's picked up a bit of an injury. Um, you know, he was excellent at the start of the season. Um, Bernard does add something to the side in terms of he does have the ability to kill the ball and take a lot of pressure away, especially in crowded spaces. Walcott almost needs twenty yards to knock the ball into to run after it. Um, you know the, the you know I think that Bernard does offer something to the side, but as was mentioned earlier, then you know at Walcott you've got it. There's a big question mark for me. What's he bring it to the side? You know he's a, he's a wide forward as such. He's not scoring. He's not getting many. Well, I, I you know I think Sadibe's got more assists for assists than, than Walcott. Yeah. He's a fullback, which says it all really. 
but we're we're so thin on the ground, aren't we, at the moment? Like, yeah. realis- realistically, like, what what could have Ancelotti done? I think Richarlison was a huge blow. He was out yeah. today. Um, even if you play, even if you wanted to play Moise Keane and Calvert Lewin up front, Richarlison can play um, outside right, can't he? So it's a big loss to Everton to have arguably our best player out for for an away game that potentially we we could have gone on and won, but. All in all, lads, to be fair, I don't think a point is the end of the world. No, definitely not. In the Premier League, I think you have to be happy with picking up points away in any fashion that you can, especially to after conceding so poorly to then immediately respond and get that equalizer and sort of see the game out from there. The second half was was pretty uneventful. I thought, again, Jordan Pickford saved our skin a few times. I yeah. think his his those who criticize him, I think we'll have to eat their words a bit today. He showed why he's England's number one with arguably two or three really top tier saves um, from chances that West Ham created. And so there was that one where he he fell backwards and nearly dragged it into (laughs) into our net. Heart attacks everywhere, I think, on that one. But by and large, his distribution wasn't fantastic. But just the straight up goalkeeping, I thought, was arguably his best performance of the season. I'll tell you what it is, uh, James. I think uh, me and David both played centre-back as, uh, as our position. Uh, I think okay. we, we played at a relatively decent standard. And um, I don't think Jordan Pickford commands defence or his area as well as he should. He's a great mm. shot-stopper, um, but he can make mistakes. Uh, there was earlier on in the season, I remember, a home game where uh, Dina and Pickford were sort of thinking, who's going to go for the ball? Who's going to go for the ball? And they had a bit of a sort of tate-a-tate about it. Um, and I think which will agree with me here. Um, if you've got a goalkeeper that's screaming and shouting at you behind you, what, what you're going to do, it makes it easier, doesn't it, Which? Well, you know, I, I do agree on that terms, mate, but I know we've spoke about this at length. We do think that we need a leader in that, in that centre-half position. You know, I think, obviously, that for me, I think Pickford does get too much stick. If you look at, you know, the actual clean sheets that he's held for the, you know, the full year, he's only second to Edison in the league, uh, which says a lot, you know, and our defence has been chopping and changing a lot, you know, in front of him. So the fact that he's got so many clean sheets and no clean sheets kind of sometimes get drafted as a, you know, a team team thing rather than an individual, mm-hmm. that says a lot for me about him. But I just think that we are still, you know, lacking that lead and, you know, the last game at Goodison, actually, I, I was sat in the paddock in the first half. He could actually hear Pickford screaming from one end of the pitch to the other. So I do think he does talk and he is getting clean sheets. And I just think that there was a bit of a media bias against Pickford a few, uh, when we were going into the World Cup because they didn't want Pickford to play for England. A lot of the media, Southern media, wanted likes of uh, you know, uh, Butland to play and they were pushing for other players. And they kind of whipped up this frenzy around Jordan Pickford not being a good goalkeeper. And I think it's kind of stuck with him. And then obviously there was the Derby mistake, you know, mistake in that. You know, right. A lot of people highlight the bad things with him, but Jordan Pickford for me, there's not a lot better out there. You know, and if we were to sell him anyway, I don't think we'd be. You know, there's not an obvious replacement. You know, he's as good as we can get. I just think for me, I think we need we need a leader. There's no chance we would be able to place Pick, uh, replace Pickford with a better. Not for the minute, anyway. Um, no. Realistically, yeah. who, it's about who's out there? You need you need to. You need to get a centre half in, Mike. You know, we've we spoke about this before about going like to the top oh, kind of yeah. cooler valley and work your way down. But Holgate looks like he could be a good centre half. There's about twelve months in between him and Mina in age. You know, they're both developing and I think they'd make a good number two next to a very good centre half. But I do think we need to bring in that premium 
centre half, you know, with a voice that can lead that back line. Uh, and I think that takes up a notch. I did want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit back to today's match and Moise Keane because we yep. touched on him at the beginning, but haven't really discussed him since. Uh, let's start to Alex. Alex, I know you're someone who has uh, not criticized Moise Keane, but been a little apprehensive about what his level of readiness is to compete on a regular basis in the Premier League. I think if you're someone who's uh, who's that's your view, then today sort of vindicated some of those opinions. Yeah, so I thought that the first half from him was decent. I liked that he was really like forcing the issue and trying to get involved. He was showing for the ball. He was trying to link up well, specifically with the forward players. Um, you know, you then saw him to get very tired in the second half. And right when he get tired, and and this is you know this is just an experience or an inexperience um, part than anything else. But right when he got tired, his decision-making kind of just went straight out the window, right? I mean, you saw a, a ball come straight to his feet uh, when we were struggling for like five minutes straight to regain possession, and he went to dummy it. And you're just kind of thinking there, like, why would you not just take command of the situation and go from there, right? We didn't have any possession for minutes and minutes and minutes. We were under a ton of pressure, and yet he dummied it, and the ball was given away again. It was it was it was right on the edge of West Ham's box as that um, as well that wasn't it so maybe take a touch and look for a better pass but um I think we have to we we have to be patient lads was keen um we're all very very quick to jump on players back we he's nineteen like if we all put our hands up at um and team what what were we doing what a big step he's moved to a new country I think Ancelotti will be absolute game, but um. He needs to, A, Alex, you're bang on. He needs to get fit. And I don't think he should be tired playing football. Um, <laughs> I used to, uh, when I was 19, I used to get drunk on a Friday, um, go out and play on a Saturday, get drunk on Saturday night and play again on Sunday. So uh, so I, I don't think that's for him. But um, I think he'll come good, guys. I really do. I think, I think you've, I mean, you've got, you guys have, have hit the nail on the head in terms of he did tire in the second half. You know, he was sharp. And, you know, perhaps the best you're going to get out of him is what, you know, when you get him in the, in the channels, isolating centre backs is, you know, his kind of raw turn of pace that he's got. He's a bit unpredictable mm. and he has got kind of a fair shot on him. But, you know, he hasn't played. But I, I have noticed on his Instagram lately, he's been putting a lot more kinds of snippets in the gym. Now, I don't know if that's any kind of coincidence. Obviously, Carlo's come in, an older Italian father figure almost. I don't know if you guys knew much about him from his early days, but, you know, his father left when he was quite young. So he almost yeah. become like the man of the house quite early on. And obviously then when he got his move to Juventus, he, he basically looked after his mum and his mum gave up her, her job that she was working all hours of the sun. So, you know, he's had to kind of um, fight adversity all his life and stand up and be counted. Um, I think that he will turn it round. I think you know if you can look at his character as he's been growing up as a player. You know he's had to straight, you know show straight strength on various occasions over and over again. But we do need to be patient with him. I, I I said in the week that I think next season will probably be his big season, and you know I think DCL and ultimately uh Cavett Lewin and ultimately with Charleston will be the first choices and given that time. But I do worry if with Charleston does pick up an injury. We couldn't really rely, I don't think, on Dominic Calvert-Lewin and also Keane being playing week in, week out, um, and Nias, or Newman Nias. Um, then, you know, you do need also probably to look at a loan option there as well. Maybe a more experienced striker to come in there on loan short term, just to kind of allow Keane. A Cenk Tosin, perhaps? Well, no, I, I just don't think Cenk's fast enough. You need someone in the mould of like a 
A Giroud. Yeah, Giroud, Costa, a big target man, that sort of um, that sort of player. With Moyes Keane, guys, it's not about talent. That's all. It's about adapt and how he's adapted. Don't forget, me and um, me and Dave met him, in, uh, and uh, although he does yeah. speak, it's quite broken English. He's nineteen. He's moved to a new, and um, it's a big thing for him. Um, and I don't know whether you got this, which but I certainly. And we had a conversation, with him. guys. He loves Everton. He thinks we're great. He loves the fans. Humbled by what we've done for him and the welcome. So I, I really, really do think that let him adapt think which is spot on you're, you're both right in that we tend to jump on players far too quickly and three or four bad appearances at the start of your Everton career to some fans may uh, be you know the final straw with the level of patience that we have but I do think at 19 I think he's one that suffers from the fee that we paid for him where the expectations have just been set unrealistically high it's going to be a long period of adaptation for him, but you see the flashes there. He shows it in moments. Like you said, the raw turn of pace that he has will, will give a lot of fullbacks and center halves, a lot of problems if we're able to find those spaces behind the defense. But today we really weren't able to unleash him too much because we just, we, we didn't want to play on the counter all that much. And so I think he's, he's one for the future, get him some time this season. I mean, we're still in contention. I feel for top six positions, but it's all about, at this point, just trying to get healthy for that final run of games as we have a favorable run of fixtures at the moment. If we can get one or two players back, we're that much stronger. And then once we're at full, full strength, you know, Alex will be back in training. I think he could be a really important return to the side for us, give us a little bit more creativity in midfield or out wide, wherever he plays. So I think it's you know positives ahead. But for now, we just need to tread water, pick up points where we where we can and and the table's just so tight that if you can win three or four games in a row, then you're just going to skyrocket upwards. Also, James, just like to touch on something you said there. Um, you said we're getting impatient with the fee that we pay for in today's market. You think 28 million pounds? No, it's it's. I don't think it is at all. But I think you do expect for 28 million. You you take aside paying 28 million for a player, and you just sort of expect some sort of return and of course yet to score i think the first goal is going to be just a huge moment for him as far as getting his i think it will jump start his his confidence his yeah. momentum in his career um i think right now he's sort of struggling with the physical physicality of the league more than anything else he he isn't great with his back to goal when he's got a defender on his back his first touch has been pretty poor i mean especially today saw some lukaku-esque first touches <laughs> if only he was lukaku <laughs> I think um, you have to look at when we signed uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think yes. am, I, am I right in saying here which Koeman signed Calvert-Lewin? Well, it was it was actually it was actually Mikey. Just sorry to correct you on that one, but it was actually David. It was actually David Unsworth. Uh, Koeman Koeman had no bearing in that one. David Unsworth had brought him in as an under twenty three player, and it was about a week into training. David Unsworth said to to Koeman, "You better come and have a look at this player. I think you can get some value out of him in the first team." So if we look, if we look at the, the, the development of, of Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, over the course of the last few years, he's, he's gradually got better year on year, hasn't he? Um, and Moise Keane's 19, Calvert-Lewin is, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, 21 now. Um, and look at, look at him, he's, he scored again today, he's scoring goals, creating chances, his all-round play is good, his hold-up play, he's got bigger, like, um, sort of, he's got on the weights a bit, hasn't he? So... We need to have that patience with, with Moyes Keane as well, I think. Um, just, because we, just because he played for Juventus doesn't mean he's going to be the best player in the world. Um, we, 
we all know that the Premier League and Syria are a completely... Look at Lukaku this year. I think he scored about 20 goals already, hasn't he? So you can't compare the two leagues. Be patient with him, guys. I, I promise you he'll come good. I think today, I think just going back to the results as well, we almost needed Keane to do something a bit out of the ordinary to win the game today as well. And obviously, that probably adds to a bit of frustration. But as he ties after 60 minutes, I think probably all, all on this uh, podcast today will probably agree. You probably would have accepted a draw about 70 minutes into the game. And I think, you know, you could see with the Everton side and the West Ham side that both, 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 um, were probably in acceptance that they were going to happy to be, you know, to draw that game. Um, and I think Holgate probably ended up man of the match by default. I would agree. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think, um, a point away at West Ham again for Ancelotti. If you look at his league form, um, is that five games now? Um, one, three, drawn one, lost one. It's pretty good form. It's good form to take in final stage. And, um... We both really appreciate y'all coming on and join us for the uh, match review today. Uh, thank you again for, for taking time out of your schedules to join us. We probably will take you up on that offer for a pint, though. Yeah, what game is it? You're over? We're going to be at Goodison for Manchester United, and then we're going to follow on the following week uh, at Stamford Bridge away. Right. Well, make sure you get we'll get, we'll get on to County Road as we... I mean, our group name in the County Road, Bobblers, that's kind of where it comes from because we all meet up on County Road and we normally wear a bobble hat as well, just, just for the good measure. Uh, but yeah, be, be sure you get to County Road nice and early um, and we'll have you know a good few beers um, and then we can get down to the uh, the Blue Base after the game, which is Everton's own uh, bar that they have there and a lot of the ex-players go there after the game as well. So, you know, good win against United and we should have a good time. That sounds like a plan, guys. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks to Mikey and Dave for joining us. And we will be with you guys midweek for some more content, Everton Chatter. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.